again. Good morning again. We're so glad you're here. We're going to get into the Word of God. It's going to be awesome. Um, uh, we're going to fellowship after service too. So if you have a Bible, let's use them. <laughs> uh, if you like to look at the Bible on a device, get that out. Um, if you have none of the above, we still will have the scriptures up here on the projector screen. But we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 5 today. Man, what a great morning it's been already. Not only is the sun shining, man, we gave God thanks and praise. That was so, so, sometimes you just got to thank God. You really, you, we need to thank God. God doesn't need to be thanked, but we need to thank him. A am I right? Uh, and not just every once in a while on a Sunday when we pull out a hype song. How about every day? Every day. Amen. Thank you for that. Service dismissed. <laughs> it's a good word. I mean, we are in, if you want to stick around, <laughs> we're, we've been in our Empowered series uh, where we've been walking through the book of Acts. Um, we won't be, just in case you're like, we're going to be doing this for a year. Some churches do that. We won't be doing the whole book, and I'll warn you, we're winding to a close because we still have some other great things coming uh, in the next month. But looking at the early church and what happened as the Lord birthed by the Spirit, us is so important and so meaningful because the church's story is still being written. This is our story. <laughs> it's not just a history book, the pages of Acts. And, and I love how every time I read it, you get to the last chapter, and it's like, wait, that doesn't sound like it's done, because it's not. Uh, the pages of this book are still being written in and through the church today. We are in the same chapter, the same storyline, until Jesus comes back. You understand that, right? You had the, the Old Testament dispensation where God created all things. He formed a people for himself. He gave them his word. He gave them the law. But then everything changed. The page turned. The chapter flipped when Jesus came. It changed everything. And aren't we so glad? Because God, who was far away, came near. And then he made a way for all people not to just serve him, not to just bless him, not just to understand something about him, but to come into relationship with him. Hallelujah. And then Jesus died, taking on our sin and our shame and our sickness and buried it in the grave and then rose up on the third day. Hallelujah, we just celebrated that a few weeks ago. And when that happened, another page turned. We're still there. That's the age where, where the Lord didn't just come to reveal himself and bring us into relationship, but he came to empower us as God's people, to walk out the ministry of Jesus. Jesus started it. We continue to walk in it until the day he returns. That's an exciting storyline to be in. And if you didn't know that's where you're at, you didn't know that's why you're here, now you know. This is the story we are living in. And, and as we look at these pages, the first days of this baby church is so powerful because there's such a purity and a reality in it that should remind us of our DNA. Yes, maturity should come. This, was, this is an immature picture. We shouldn't read the, the pages of Acts and think, man, they had it all together. Because if you read the epistles later, you understand they really didn't. <laughs> 
And we should understand then, if this is the beginning, then what does God have for us now? That's what we've been talking about. This is our story. So as we get to Acts 5, let me just remind us where we've been. Acts 2, 3, 4. Last week, we were looking at Acts 4, where the moving of the Spirit and the sharing of the gospel had gotten the apostles in trouble with the local authorities, and the authorities brought them in and said, you're not going to speak in Jesus' name anymore. And they said, wrong, we will. Um, and then they stepped away from that. You know, the government was trying, at that day, was trying to squelch out the name of Jesus. They said, don't speak that name. Don't do that name anymore. And they said, we can't not. <laughs> we must. And they turned around and then gathered together and prayed. Their response to the, the persecution of their day was to gather and pray, ask for more boldness, and ask for more power. And God did. That's Acts chapter 4. All right? And they, they asked the Lord to give us boldness and that, Jesus, you would do more healing. You would do more signs and wonders in your name. And it said they did, that more signs and wonders were done through Jesus' name and more continued to be added to the church daily. All right? Then we're in Acts chapter 5. That's where we are today. Now, Acts chapter 5 opens with Ananias and Sapphira, which is a very interesting story that we are not going to talk about, particularly. Um, but we're gonna, it, there is something to that, and if you don't know the story, it's that these, this couple, this married husband and wife, and it, well, I missed this piece of, of the, the story before. It talks about the people of God. They, were, they were, had everything in common, and many sold property to make sure the needs of those who were less fortunate were provided for. So they had all these things in common, and no one among them was in need. That's important. That's where Ananias and Sapphira come in. Of the many people, many, 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 many people were just bringing the proceeds of property and, and handing it over to the church for the needs that, that were present. And there were many. There were many wealthy people and there were many needy people. And the Lord used that to, to bless them. And so Ananias and Sapphira, they sold a property. They said, here's all the money we got. The thing is, they were lying. Now, they have the right to sell their property. They have the right to bring as much as they want or as little as they want to the, to the Lord, right? Like God doesn't say, you must bring every cent of whatever and give it to the church. No, but they lied. They lied about it. They wanted to make themselves look like something they weren't. And something about the presence and power of God that was present among his people meant that because they were willing to betray the presence of God and the people of God in such a way, they actually fell dead. That's wild. I mean, you expect something like that in the Old Testament, right? Where we all think God's a big meanie. <laughs> which he's not, never was, never will be. He's just like Jesus all the time. But there was such a presence and power among the fellowship of the people that's remarkable. We can say that much, right? So we're going to jump in the story just after that for context. Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 12 and 16 through 16. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is living and active. We thank you that, Jesus, you became the living word. God, we thank you that you have sent your Holy Spirit to not just redeem us, but to fill us with your power, to make us witnesses. Lord, I pray that we would be aware of the presence of God among us, your presence in and around us even at this moment. And God, that as we are aware of you, you would cause us to become more like you, to act like you, talk like you, We'd have the ministry of Jesus at work in and through our lives because we're so aware that you are still with us. If you agree, say amen. amen. Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 12. 
So coming right out of that, it says this, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them. Now watch these next couple of sentences. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. So... Did they not dare to join them, or did they keep joining them? Yes. As a result, verse 15, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Verse 16, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. We're going to stop there. Friends, this is remarkable. If Ananias and Sapphira were remarkable, this is even more remarkable. That this small group of people who didn't have (laughs) marketing strategies and social media kept gathering crowds. And there was something so awesome about this people called the church, called us, that people were afraid and attracted all at the same time. The people were like, I don't know about them, but yet they couldn't stay away from them. And what was it then that about them that caused them many to be added to their number and then they're bringing sick into the streets for a free healing clinic, no? Because the believers in Jesus were there. And maybe even just the shadow of someone who had the spirit of Christ in them might fall on the sick. And all of them were healed. My goodness. It's almost unbelievable. Except, it's true. This is the word of the Lord. This is real life. This is what happened. As simple people who believed in Jesus continued to gather and be the people of Jesus. That's it. Can you see yourself in this picture? Because you are. And I want to talk about that. The title, if I can give today's sermon a name, is A Peculiar People. (laughs) Some of you are like, that's fitting. You guys were pretty weird this morning. Um, It's a biblical phrase. We're different. There's something about us that's different than the world around us. And it's one thing and one thing only. It's Jesus. It makes us different. There's something awesome about us. Did you know that? There's something fearsome about us. And there's something so amazingly attractive about you and I. And you know what it is? Jesus. So I want to talk about that today. So let's start at the beginning sort of of this passage where it talks about uh, the apostles there doing signs and wonders and that all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. And you may be wondering, what is that? Well, Solomon's colonnade, a colonnade is like an archway held up by many columns or pillars and a rooftop, and it was attached to the temple. 
So it was a very public and open meeting space that was right next to the temple. And why, why there? It says all the believers were gathered there. Well, in their culture, the temple was a regular, normal part of most of their lives in Jerusalem, most of them. However, it, there were laws and rules and regulations about this space, specifically concerning those who weren't Jews, those who were Gentiles. And we have a people now here gathered, believers in Jesus that are from all kinds of nations, tribes, and tongues. They're actually not allowed inside the temple, so they're meeting on the side of the temple, which is awesome. I love that they're still gathering. They're still near the temple, and they want to meet publicly. It says in Acts 2, they met there every day. You struggle to get to church on Sunday morning, but they met there every day. They were together, and they were from all many nations, many persuasions, but it was important, clearly important for them to be together. It was important for them to be together, and it was undeniable to them and to everyone else that God was with them. God was with them as they gathered. Now, Jesus, at this time, had already died. He had been on the earth, and then he resurrected. They saw him go, but somehow, some way, the story of this people is like, he's still there. Because all the things Jesus was doing when he walked the earth were happening. In fact, you could say they're happening more. Because it's not just one man with the Spirit of God working in the power of God. It's every believer had received the same Spirit that was in Jesus. And what happened is Jesus kept breaking out everywhere they went. All doing the mighty works in his name. It was apparent the power was in them and everyone knew them. Jesus' power was evident among them. Now, I already told you that nothing's changed. Are you aware that the same Jesus that, that rose from the dead, the same Jesus that poured out his spirit in Acts chapter 2, the same Jesus who in Acts chapter 5, signs and wonders are being done, they're bringing out the sick into the streets, is the same Jesus that's in you and right here, right now, if you're a believer in Jesus? He's the same he didn't change. He didn't turn a page. He didn't dial it down. He said, well, that was just for a minute. Now we're doing something different. No, he's the same. The same. The same. And as the simple people who had simple faith in Jesus met together, his power and presence was evident among them. And they were so new. To this thing. It wasn't because they were so well educated, and it definitely wasn't because they were so mature in their faith. They were so well qualified for what was coming upon them and what the Lord was doing. It wasn't like they checked off all the boxes and God's like, okay, you're holy, you got your doctrine right, you've been living for me, you got it all. I mean, some of these people, if you read the epistles, are like still doing some very grievous sin, and yet the presence of God was present among his people because. That's what he promised he would do. And I think it's really as simple as they were so keenly aware of him. They were so keenly focused in on him and him alone that it impacted the way they stewarded their thinking, the way they stewarded their lives. I mean, obviously, they were meeting together daily. And again, there was a cultural norm for that at the time. We'll give them that. 
But it also had, it didn't, so it had impacted their daily lives and routines that they saw how important it was to gather because God was so present among them when they gathered. But it also impacted their generosity toward one another, as we talked about. They were giving so much to take care of them. But their awareness of them, of, of Jesus among them, had also given them a reputation. Stuff like Jesus happens wherever they are. And if we need what Jesus can do, we should bring people to the Jesus people. Now, 2,000 plus years later, you know, this idea of Jesus, the cross, the resurrection, Christianity, it can be a little easy to take it for granted, can it? Like, this has been our reality in the earth for so long. For them, it was brand new. And we get familiar. We get okay. And but in, it can become for us many times just a belief system. This is what we believe. That's good. I'm glad you believe. That's how you're saved. But it can't just be about a belief system. It has to be about the fact that he's real. He's present among us. And maybe we try to think logically about, well, we don't really see that many miracles of the power of God doesn't seem to be showing up quite as much. So we can try to start make explanations for the why. Try to figure it out and build a construct that makes us feel better and more comfortable in the fact that it doesn't really look like what was happening then. But when I look at the word of God, he didn't make any constructs for, well, this is going to be really hot for a minute and then it's going to cool down. And so just be really scholarly and make sure you believe all the right stuff. I think what he said in Acts 2 is, I'm going to pour out my spirit until I return. On my sons and my daughters, the young and the old, the men and the women, all of them are going to be prophesying. They're going to be seeing visions. They're going to be dreaming my dreams. There's going to be signs. There's going to be wonders. Read Acts chapter 2. I'm just quoting. Until the great and coming day of the Lord. Now, anybody tell me, I need to know, has Jesus come back yet? Thank you. So if Jesus isn't back, this is still all true. And whether or not our experience lines up with it actually doesn't change the fact of the matter. Are you ready for that? Instead of letting our experience dictate what we believe, how about we doubt our experience until it looks like what the Bible says? You get what I'm saying? Let me say that one again. We're so prone to take, well, this is what it looks like now. This must be it. I prayed it didn't happen. It must be God's will. Well, did God say? Because we should cast doubt first on our experience and last on God. When our experience doesn't line up with what the word says, then our experience is wrong. And we doubt our experience, we have to say, this can't be it. This can't be the end of the matter. Because God said, that's what I believe, therefore I will see. And until that happens, we keep believing. We keep praying. We keep asking. What did they do when the people came tried to squelch out the name of Jesus? They prayed. What did they do? They asked for more boldness, more faith, more belief. They said, Jesus, do more. When's the last time you said, Lord, this isn't it. Do more. When's the last time you gathered with some believers and said, this isn't it. Do more. You promised more. And I'm not, I mean, you're going to hear me almost every week say, like, you need to be gathering with people and praying. And if you're not, do it. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just saying, don't like be like, well, I don't know why it's happened. Well, have you to ask God for it to happen? Just, you know, do that first, at least. When it's just a belief system, 
we can get into a mode where, well, it's not that important to, you know, gather with, with believers. I believe. I'm devoted in my heart. I don't have to be there, which, which is true. You don't have to be in church. You don't have to be at the prayer gathering. You don't have to be at your small group. There's no law about it, and God's not mad whether you come or not. He's not. No, no, one, no one was making these believers gather daily in the temple. No one was, like, taking attendance and calling them up on the phone. <laughs> that, that wasn't happening. Nobody, nobody was doing that. Plus, they're meeting in their homes. It was very disruptive and consuming. But why? What made them want to? What made them want to be together? What made them arrange their schedules around, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be at the temple. I'm going together with the believers. I'm going to meet with other believers in my home. It's because of one thing and one thing only, Jesus. They were so in love with Jesus. They're so committed to Jesus. They're so aware of Jesus. And look, it wasn't because they were all friends first. It wasn't because they all looked the same. It wasn't because they all had the same political views. There was one thing and one thing they had in common was Jesus. And that was enough. It wasn't like they could go down the street to another temple where there was another denomination that had better ministries and just looked a lot better. They didn't have a choice. They're like, we believe in Jesus. I have to find the Jesus people. Wherever the Jesus people, that's where I'm going to be because I know he's real. I know he's powerful. And I just want him. One thing, just one thing, has to be more than what we believe. Has to be a man a true man God named Christ Jesus who is alive today in us and among us. And as he promised that when we gather in his name, you may not see him, but he's here. So much so that truly, truly, if we were to bring all the sick people into the manifest presence of Jesus, they would get healed. That's not a dream I made up. It's true. Are we that aware of his presence? Are we truly gathered around him? I'm not against the ministries. I'm not, glad, I'm not mad about how far we've come as a church in 2,000 years because God has done a really good job of stewarding the seed of the gospel all across the globe. You know, that's why we're here. <laughs> it's working. It's working really good. God hasn't given up. He's not wagging his fingers. He's not mad. But you know what? There's so much more. There's so much more than a belief system. There's so much more than just singing songs. There's so much more than saying, I think Jesus is real. I hope you do too. It is real. It is true. And you know what? He sent his power so that he could be present among us. And when we get too comfortable with just believing, we miss out of being aware that he's right here, right now. And he's able to do all the things he's done again and again and again. And you know what? He wants to. Because his name, as we sing today, is still just as powerful. You know what work he has been about since he rose from the grave and sent down his Holy Spirit has been forming a people like this. A people built on one thing, Jesus. A people filled with one thing, his spirit. A people who do one thing, Proclaim his praise to the earth. Show his glory to the world around them. Just so present to his presence that it's undeniable. Peter talked about it in his epistle. I want to read that. That's where I get the title of the message, so I have to. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a 
holy nation, uh, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What brings us together? We have received mercy. And now the times we live in may have changed, but he has not. He is still with us. He's still for us. He's still among us as we gather. His name's still as powerful, and he's still gathering for himself a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a special peculiar possession that shines forth the glory of God to the people. He's still doing that work. We wouldn't be here today if it weren't for him doing that good work. We're not here because of our commonalities. Those are inconsistent and very fragile. We gather here not because of the name on the sign or the denomination. We don't gather here because there's a belief system, because the timing happens to be convenient or, you know, the kids' program's just so good. We gather here because of him. He's drawn us to himself. How many of you say, Jesus drew me to himself? That's why we're here. And because he has shown us mercy, each one of us can testify to the reality of Jesus. We can personally testify to the goodness and mercy of God. Therefore, we belong together. We were made for one another. And this one thing makes us one. We're his. That's it. That was what drew the early church together. That's what brings us together today. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They were very committed and aware of Jesus. I think they were also committed and aware that they needed one another. You know? But what marked them? That's what I really want to talk about. And I've already used up a lot of time. What marked them? What made them such a peculiar people? Is they belong to Jesus, who's a king. And they belong to his kingdom. We belong to his kingdom. And that makes us different. It means we follow a completely different system and a completely different paradigm than anyone else on the planet. Did you know that? It's called the kingdom of God. We follow God's word. We live according to his ways. And that's awesome. And there's something about a people who pledge their allegiance to the king of heaven that makes them an awesome people. That makes them an attractive people. Because we're living in eternal ways. And living by the voice of heaven, the voice of God, the voice of his word, it marks us in a way that people want to see the what? They want to see the why. They want to see Jesus. What does it mean to be holy? It means to be set apart. It means to be different. That's when we say, Jesus, you're holy. God, you're holy. It literally means you're just completely other than. It means other than, aside from, different from everything we ever known. That's what he is. We can't even fathom who he is. We can't even fully comprehend how, not just how pure, but how powerful, how loving, how merciful, how gracious he is. Holy, 
holy. All of that's in holy. And so when he says, I'm making you a holy people, it's that we reflect the sameness. We are completely other than every other person on the planet that doesn't know him. We look different. We think different. We speak different. We act different because we're in alignment with our king. We're in alignment with the kingdom. We're, we're those that live according to the word, the ways, and the voice of God. You know, we have an interesting uh, kind of phenomenon that I heard someone commenting on. I, I don't want to take credit for it, but it was revealing to me because I was like, that's so true. In our culture right now, it's because we do have media, and, and I'm all for media. I like media. I'm probably on social media way too much, so I'm not like here to condemn anyone. But we have voices in media, you know, especially in, in the days we've been living the last four, five, six years, especially uh, as regards politics and cultural issues, we have news media. We have media that are shouting messages all the time. And we've come to this place, unfortunately, in our American culture where if you are tuned in to news media, they want to tell you what to be mad about. They want to tell you what to be sad about. And they want to tell you what to be glad about. And, and it doesn't matter which station you like, which one you watch, which one you think aligns most with your values. At the end of the day, I just want to say out loud, because it needs to be said, there are no news medias that are claiming they're following the kingdom of God. There's maybe some that you like better, but at the end of the day, they should not be able to tell you what to be mad about, what to be glad about, what to be sad about, because you know what? They are not being driven by the voice of the Lord. They're being driven by money. They're being driven by political agendas. They are, all of them. And I'm, again, watch them all you want. Don't let them tell you who to be. Don't let them tell you how to feel. Let the word of God tell you how to feel. Let Jesus' voice tell you what to be mad about, what to be sad about, what to be glad about. I bet it's a little different at the end of the day. Sure, listen to other voices, but you have a filter for the kingdom you live in. If you get into this place where you just blindly accept what they're saying because, well, they, this, this, this news media aligns with my values more than the other ones, and you start believing them, then they're going to start feeding you things that aren't here, and you're going to believe it. And you're going to start living according to what those voices are saying, and they're not being driven by God. They're not being driven by the voice of the Lord, being driven by money and political gain. Now, there's some out there that are a little less than others, lesser voices, but at the end of the day, we are a people not driven by those voices, one voice. One word, one way. We belong to a different kingdom. We need to be set apart because you know what? Anyone can watch whatever news station and get mad, sad, happy, glad about all those things. And they may be even values that you like. They may be values that you think God likes. But make sure you're checking the word of God. Let's be a holy people. Let's be set apart. Let's be different. Let's let one voice dictate for us. Can we do that? And when we talk about God makes us holy, it makes us different, makes us peculiar, there is a righteousness, a holiness to us. I, I want to get that too. And that's really important. When we're gathered together in his name, when we gather in his presence, when the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of a believer, let me tell you something, if you didn't know, it does change you. It does pick you up. It does turn you around. It does heal your heart. Amen? And so someone who knows Jesus should look different, act different, feel different than someone that doesn't. Our lives cannot, should not be reflective of what anyone else that doesn't name the name of Jesus is living in. It just can't. 
If there's not fruit that looks like Jesus in your life, I'm like, well, maybe you don't know Jesus yet, you know? But so there is a holiness to us in the way we live and the way we act. There should be something different about our value system because it's eternal. It doesn't change with times and seasons and fads. It, it doesn't. It's, it's based on him and him alone. And so there's a righteousness, but the righteousness to us is an invitation for us to become like him, to live like him, to walk in his nature. Our holiness is a gift that we receive because Jesus took on our sin. We become the righteousness of God, and that does something. That does make us different. But on the other hand, it should never be then we get to judge someone else who doesn't know him and the way that they're living. It doesn't give us a chance to take the word and the ways of God and use it as a weapon. We don't hold people that don't know him to the standard that he's given. They can't. You know, someone that doesn't have God, the Holy Spirit at work in their life, can never live up to what's in the Word of God? Let's be honest. You don't have to raise your hands. How many times have you read the Word of God and thought, I'm not living up to that? I need the Holy Spirit to help me remember that. The Holy Spirit is our helper, and he does enable us to live it out. And when we're convicted, it's an invitation. Oh, Lord, help me. I'm not living that way. I need to live that way. And let him work in us to make us more like him, but not take this as a weapon to beat on someone that doesn't yet know him. If we can barely get there with the help of the Holy Spirit, they have no hope. Our righteousness is to give us the power to serve. The power to lift others up. The power to say, I've been forgiven, I can forgive. It's the power to say, I've been loved, therefore I can love. Is this making sense? This is a holy people. And the truth is, it is attractive. It is attractive. There's nothing happier than living in the holiness of God. Did you know that? Because people freed from the power of sin, which God said he did in Christ, people freed from the power of sin are the happiest people alive. Or they should be. The more I get a revelation of the fact that God took my sin and made me righteous, the happier I get. Because I know it's not my merit. I didn't work for it. I didn't make it happen. But when I think about what we're saying today, he set me free. Things that held me bound, he cut off. I can't help but be a little bit happy about it. I can't help be free. And then I think of those that don't have the opportunity to experience the freedom we have is our opportunity to serve, to live out loud. Life with Jesus is the best life in the world. A happy holiness will go a long way in causing people to turn their heads. Is this making sense to anyone? We want to be people gathered around Jesus, people full of his presence. And it looks like a few other things too. Again, I've taken way too much time on all my points today. I'm sorry. Um, a people of his presence are, are happy in holiness. But they're also something different about us in that we carry a, a presence of the peace of God. And, and in a world that is so afraid, we should be a people of peace. We should never be found as the ones who are in fear. Well, that doesn't make sense. There are things that are scary. There are. But you have the Prince of Peace. You have the Prince of Peace. So yes, we can have peace that doesn't make sense in the midst of anything, literally. Literally. 
anything. There should be a presence of peace. And like I said a minute ago, there should be the presence of unconditional love in us. Do you know what unconditional love means? It means you actually love someone else with no conditions. Like, what about this person? And what about those people that aren't living according to the word of God? Their lifestyles aren't godly. Yes, I love them, but nope. Did he love you like that? When Jesus came to you, is he like, I love you so much, but is that how you got into the kingdom? Is that how you stay in the kingdom? When Jesus is like, I love you, but, you know, I, I have to like sort of meter out my love because you're not really, no. When God loved you, he turned on the faucet, I, I love this example, he turned on the faucet full strength and broke it. That's the way he loved you. And because what? We have loved freely we can love. And maybe it's just getting rid of the butt that will help people see how beautiful and attractive Jesus is. I can't change you. You can't change me. I can't change anyone. But I know someone who can. And I know what changed me was the outrageous love of God. Maybe if I can learn to outrageously love people, no buts, they'll see how good he is and want to follow him too. Is this making sense? We should be the most loving people, and sometimes people don't think about us that way. And I wonder if it's sometimes because, I don't know, I already said it. I feel like we have an unfortunate tendency because of who knows why. Instead of celebrating the free gift of righteousness that we have in Jesus, Try to turn it into a weapon that we think will discipline the world into the kingdom. But it won't. How about we be a people of love, people of peace? Because once the Holy Spirit comes into the heart of a person, they want all of him. They want more of him. You'll be surprised how someone who seems so far away suddenly has more zeal for Jesus than you do. <laughs> Why? they're so aware of him we're so aware of him when we first get to do him kind of like they were in in acts 5 these are people that people were afraid of and yet they were highly regarded and i'm so jealous for that i'm jealous that we would live in such a way that at one level people would be like whoa and at the other level they'd be like can we come <laughs> i'm jealous that the presence of god was so present among us that when people don't know what else to do with somebody, they bring them to the church. Whether they're physically ill or just oppressed. I'm jealous that we would be all that God called us and created us to be. The church of Jesus, that's us, is awesome. The people of God that he's building as a holy and peculiar people is amazing. That's you and me. I'm jealous that we've become so much more aware of him. When our faith is so genuine and his presence is so evident that we wouldn't have to convince anyone else how worthy he is. We don't have to convince anyone else. We don't have to make it more shiny so that people will show up. But we just show up to Jesus people see him. 
When you know he's present with you, when he's living in you, when you live by the word of God and the ways of God, it changes the way you think. Changes the way you act. It also changes the way you see other people. I just want to say that same spirit that was in Jesus, that same spirit here in Acts 5, is still with us. May we never get too familiar with him. May we always be in awe of him. In awe of what he's done, in awe of who he is. May we never, never, never take him for granted. Or somehow think, yeah, we need Jesus and. No, you don't need Jesus and. You need Jesus. I have a funny, we have a thing on our wall actually. It says, I need a whole lot of Jesus, a little bit of coffee. I mean, it's funny. But the truth is, we just need Jesus. And when we are aware of God among us, when we're, I mean, I believe God wants to do this work in us, not just us, but in his people. He wants to restore that awe, the awareness that he is with us. You know, he really is. Like, he really is even right now. Like, right now. I'm not as aware of him as I should be right now. I'm preaching to me at the same time. I want to be so aware of him with us and the precious power that is among us as his people when we are together. When we become aware of him, when we become more in awe of him, this world is going to be in awe of him too. And they're going to see him. And they're looking for him. They want Jesus. They really do. Every living soul wants Jesus. They may not know it yet. They may be looking in all the wrong places. But what they're longing for What they're looking for is Jesus. Let's stand together. And and I'm just, we're going to have to, you know, practice what we preach, right? Even our response today is going to be less shiny. I don't have anyone to play music. Don't have anything cool. Oh, Denise. I have Denise. Make it shiny, Denise. (laughs) Um, She already shines. Can't you just see the glory of God on that woman right there? I I just want to take us a minute to pray, and and I want to challenge you. Is Jesus really real to you today? Do you know that you have received mercy? And if you don't, if you haven't, you can receive the mercy of God today. You can receive Jesus as Savior and Lord today. You can have his spirit come and live inside of you today. And I want to make that invitation to anyone in the room, but I want to make it to everyone in the room. I want to make issue a reminder to everyone in the room. If you say you know Jesus, if you have received Jesus, you have received mercy. Are you aware of him with you? Are you aware of his presence? Is he real to you? And if he's not, you know what we need to do? We need to pray like Jesus' disciples did. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I just want to give us a moment right here. Would you just close your eyes before the Lord? Let him come by his Holy Spirit who's right here right now and touch you right where you need to. Maybe you need to be just made aware of his presence. Lord, come. Make us aware again. Open our eyes. Take the crust off of our eyes, God, where we've failed to see you near us, God, where we failed to believe you. 
God, convict us if we need to be convicted, but Lord, help our unbelief. God, make us aware of your presence again. Make us aware of our holy God who is among us, but also inside of us and all around us and so willing and powerful and active that when we speak the name of Jesus, anything can move, anything can change. Would you give us that childlike faith again? God, would you give us that that seed-like faith again, that zeal? Right now, I just feel like the Lord is, I, f- I see the Lord. I just see him touching hearts in the room. So we're gonna just take a minute here. We're not in a hurry. Wherever you're at in this, if you're, you need to, Repent something, something in the word today. The Lord cut, cut your heart in the most beautiful and merciful way. You just say, yes, Lord, I, I want to be in agreement with you. Change me. I repent. That's what it's called. I repent. To repent means to change your mind. Whatever way you've tried to explain away a lack of his presence and power, would you just repent? <laughs> would you just turn away and say, no, Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief, God. Make us a people of your word. Make us a people of your ways. Fill us with your presence and power again. I'm just going to give you a minute right here to pray your own prayer. It's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. It's you who's with us even now, God, and we just give you permission again, God, to disrupt our schedule, to disrupt our way of thinking and make us aware of you. God, it's our simple, simple prayer. Restore the awe to our hearts and restore the power and presence to your people. That we be that holy people, that nation, that it be known to us and to the world that we are a people belonging to God. That it's not just a belief system, that there's a real man named Jesus who died and rose again and sits on the throne above the circle of the earth. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. That it would be real in us. It would be real among us. Now that it be known to us and known to all that you are alive and that we are your people. Just as we close, let's sing um, yeah, that bridge and chorus. Uh, again, your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Let's make this our benediction. Let's set our eyes again at God who's bigger, more powerful, more present than we currently understand. <laughs>